Coming to you from Charm City, this is Cece. And I'm Anthony. And this is Lit Pop Bang. Hey, listeners, we have a great, great show today. We are blessed to be accompanied today yes. by Claire Rudy Foster, um, who is a queer, non-binary trans writer who lives in Portland, Oregon. Portland. Foster writes fiction, nonfiction, personal essays, articles, reported news stories, interviews, book reviews, cultural commentary, full-length books, screenplays, TVs, and film treatments, speeches, editorial, blog content, and letters. They are a graduate of Reed College and also hold an MFA in creative writing. Foster is the author of short story collection Shine of the Ever from Interlude Press, which... Which dun, Oprah dun, Magazine dun. named one of the best LGBTQ plus books of the year. Woo. They also are the author of I've Never Done This Before from Clean and Sober. More writing also appears in the New York Times, Washington Post, The Rumpus, McSweeney's, and many other Everywhere, journals. Honey. Their work has been nominated for the prestigious Pushcart four times, as well as Small Press Awards for Excellence. Foster has been in recovery from alcoholism since 2007. They co-authored American Fix inside the opioid addiction crisis and how to end it from St. Martin's with activist Ryan Hampton. And Foster developed, wrote, and hosted two seasons of a leading recovery podcast called cool. Addiction Unscripted, described as This American Life for People with Substance Use Disorder. Thank you so much for joining us. Wow, my resume sounds really it's impressive it's when like, you read it. I have a CV them pretty well. It's good. Yeah. Um, so we also always start the podcast by saying that's the bio you put on your website, the bio that you read at readings, right? But what's something about you, the real person you, that is not on there? I'm an Aquarius with a Virgo rising and a Pisces moon. Oh, okay. all that the, probably all means things. a lot to Cece. I don't know what any of that means. Almost but. all of my other planets are either in Mm. Or Scorpio. Mm. Oh. Just going to put that make, out there. Making different faces yeah. when you yeah. say Capricorn and Scorpio. This I'm like, is, that also, that also means to you. Yeah, Capricorn making that money, though. Capricorns are all about making that money. I have got to say that since I quit drinking and using in 2007, shit started getting done. Right. Yeah. There I it is. Is that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Except in those checks. That's so, yeah, right. so often the no, story of sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, look how much I can get done now. I have so much now. time yeah, yeah. when I'm not in yeah. a blackout. I don't yeah. feel weird when I wake up. That's awesome. It's, it's a very effective way to live. There it is. That's great. Cece, why don't you start us off? Well, actually, this sort of transitions right into a question that I had. So in um, two of your stories in in Field Machine and also Venus Conjunct Saturn, you talk about astrology and you also talk about tarot. And I was just wondering, what is your relationship with these uh, other modalities of spirituality? Um, how are you a practitioner? Is this something you do on a daily basis? Or are there just things that you sprinkle into your work that you're interested in, like uh, exposing your audiences to? So I'm just interested in those things. Uh, for me, I have found that uh, new age spirituality has kind of become a shorthand or a flag for people in the queer community. Mm. So yeah, yeah. it's one thing to sort of jokingly make a, you know, to say like, oh, what's your sign? But a queer person knows what their other placements are. Mm. Um, at least in Portland, that's kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's a way yeah. of signaling that you're in the club. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons that it's in this particular book. Um, I think also the function of New Age sort of fortune telling, more yes. spiritual, like yes. that kind of thing. I think that it also fills the gap 
for people in the queer community who may feel excluded from other spiritual communities. Mm-hmm. And like I said at my reading like this evening, you know, there's a common misconception that queer people have no God. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, mm-hmm. tarot and astrology in my stories are shorthand, mm-hmm. witchcraft, are yeah, shorthand sure. for this, like, this other spirituality or spirituality mm-hmm. on the margins. I love that. So I often have characters who do readings or have a deeper understanding or uh, the sixth sense. Um, which is also kind of a joke because I think that queer people are magic. I think that we, <laughs> yeah. we are. Um, I love that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I when we were that. talking earlier, um, you mentioned the apocalypse. And yeah. I said, well, the world is always ending for people like us. Yeah. You know, so... Speak on it. So the idea that as a queer person, you can see the future mm-hmm. assumes that you have a future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have a future. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. sort of always writing past the lines. Yeah. Mm. You also said when we were talking there that you don't know a lot about queer theory, but like queer apocalypse, queer endings, like no future. That's very, very queer theory. Well, one of the selling points of this book, and I think one of the reasons that Interlude Press was so interested in taking it, was that my tagline was no sad endings. There are yeah. no sad yeah. endings in mm. this book. No, like queer pain, queer pain is not fetishized. It's not central. Oh, yeah. It's not. Yeah. And it, I won't have that. Yeah, mm, it doesn't that. lack queer pain. It's just I think like an, discomfort is different yeah. from pain. Oh and yeah, I think yeah, you know yeah. it was really important to me to have characters who were like very obviously, or maybe mm-hmm. not to themselves, but like like characters who are queer and who are trans, and mm-hmm. um, they are coping with normal things. Yeah, exactly. normal, yeah, ordinary, sure. yeah. everyday bullshit. I mean, that's yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what that's what life is like. Well, and it's wild yeah. to me that that's considered radical. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, is, that, that is. is yeah, that is. That it's not a coming out. It's or not, no, I don't coming focus to on the coming out. Story right. Thing. No, coming right. to terms. I'm yeah. really yeah. tired of like the queer yeah. person who's always a sex worker or yeah. always right. the the neighbor right. who's you know right. the person who's constantly rejected. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. And and that you know having a press that is willing to see the vitality in that mm-hmm. is willing to back me up and fight for it really really meant yeah. a lot. Yeah. Like a lot a lot. Um. I've had people ask me, you know, are all of your characters one thing or another? And no, like they're, it's a pretty diverse group. I mean, yeah. not yeah. all yeah. of my characters are white. Most of them are. Yeah. Um, my experience is, you know, in less than a week, I'll be 36, which means that I've outlived the average black trans woman in this country. Yeah. And one of the reasons I wanted my characters to live the way that they do, and I think also one of the reasons that it's important that they're in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, is that I wanted every character to have the same privilege that I I came out later in life. You know, I've only been mm. out for three or four years. Mm. I transitioned physically less than two years ago. Mm. I had surgery less than a year ago. You know, mm. all of these things are blessings to me and they're privileges. Like, I am re- relatively safe and protected. Mm. And I wanted all of my characters to have that. I wanted yeah. them to have the luxury of making mistakes without consequences. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen mm. you write that in interviews before. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting to think about that, about how... How privilege affects that, right? Yeah. Like, there is a privilege as a writer, but also as the character's writer. Like, when you're not dealing with coming out or coming to terms, you're dealing with all the other shit. You're still human. It's still an ugly world, right? And so you have the privilege of not dealing with that stuff, but, like, with, like, being confronted with your partner's ex, right? It's a real thing that happens to people who are cis or trans, straight or queer. Um, and it's still, like you said, uncomfortable. I just wanted um, them to have leaves in the pool. Yeah, I want you to have those. I want the first world problems for every yeah. single one of us. You know? Yeah, having yeah. the privilege to make mistakes is a yeah. very deep concept. I feel yeah. like that about black life all mm-hmm. the time. But we're seeing movies and books 
where you know uh, young black boys aren't allowed to be young black boys, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They yeah. they grow up too quick. So I mean, the idea about being able to make mistakes out that's a really deep. Mm-hmm. and profound sort of concept yeah. to be able to imagine a world like mm-hmm. that is speculative and um, adventurous in and of itself, I think, yeah. you know. Which um, is what's so powerful about queer futurism and black futurism yeah. is mm-hmm. that they're, they're interested in telling stories other than just the problems of the 20th century, right? right? Like, right. what other stories can we tell right. or imagine? Right. Um, that could be yeah. central to who we are, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not not periphery, mm-hmm. but central, central. Yeah, yeah. right? And that's yeah. been hugely influential in yeah. my writing. Usually, I mean, one of the first times I can remember encountering something like that that just completely upended my beliefs about the world and how it worked. Um, I was reading an essay in The Nation, and it was mm. by a black woman who was raising two black sons mm. in a city. Mm. And I don't remember her name. I don't remember the city's name. Right. I don't remember any of that other stuff. But she said she knew her son had come of age when she was afraid to see him run down the street. Mm. She said she grabbed him and she said, don't you ever run down the street again. Mm-hmm. And like I get goosebumps just thinking about right. it. Like a child who is not allowed to run. Right. You have no freedom. Or play. And I thought, I, I don't want that for my characters. Right. I don't want it for human beings. Right. I don't right. want that represented as normal. Right. I want us to have ordinary, yeah. gay, <laughs> boring, <Yeah. laughs> turn on the TV and make a sandwich. Yeah. Like that yeah. can be radical too because it sure writes it against expectations yeah. and sure what we're raised, um, what we're raised and the fear we're indoctrinated. Yeah, I think Arnett was saying that before uh, when we interviewed uh, Kristen Arnett. I think she was talking about uh, very deeply wanting her characters which were just representative of mm-hmm. everyday ordinary life. Yeah. She yeah. really didn't want them to be extraordinary. She wanted them yeah. to be like people down the street. I mean, you know, people who are in the taxonomy yeah. or, or, you know, any any kind of thing like that. She did not want them to be uh, the focus to be on uh, the queerness. She, you yeah. know, wanted that to be the backdrop, but also these their other characteristics to sort of rise to the top. Yeah, um, to be... Boring in unremarkable ways. Yes. And also messy in unremarkable ways. Like, yes. Just messy the way that everyone yeah. is. Everyone's yeah. messy. Yeah. Everyone human is messy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, my favorite parts of that Paris is burning. Is oh, yeah. The, like the close interviews, like the way that the people are framed. They're just mm. so normal. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. like you're just sitting in your living room and yeah. I can see like the little vase next to you. I can see the, the trash that you left right. on the sofa. Like, right. I can see that you're wearing your normal button down. You right. might have done some with your hair because the people are coming over. Right. But it's not a thing. Clean house. It's yeah. not yeah. a thing. And, yeah. You know, for me, like, I am queer when I'm alone in my home making a sandwich in the kitchen. Right. And yeah. my identity right. is not a That's punishment to like. me. Right. You know what I mean? Same exactly. way. Just have right. that moment where you're like, shit. <laughs> And then that's it. You yeah. know what I mean? But, <laughs> like yeah. it's not so, an epiphany. It's yeah. just part Definitely of life. Definitely not. That Definitely actually not. connects directly to one of the questions I had, which is like, well, first you do a lot, right? Not only are you like Thank prolific, <laughs> but it's a cross genre and theme, right? You do a lot, and so. But I was wor- wondering, do you worry about like the market mm. trying to funnel you into a particular niche of oh. writing, like to typecast you as like just an addiction recovery writer or just a queer and be trans writer? Um, or do you find that like being known for these specific things has opened opportunities for you or is it somewhere in between, right? That's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been able to pin me down yet. Good, great. So I encourage them <laughs> to fucking try. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's easy, it's easy to get pigeonholed if you're not willing to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I have yet to find my settling place. I think yeah. that when I do, it will be something that comes naturally out of the writing that I've been doing for a decade. Yeah. 
Um, for me, I I have always been told that my work is protean. Mm. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Greek mythology, yeah. right. a shapeshifter, yeah. which is great for a lot of my work. I'm writing mm. in many voices or um, impersonating other people, mm. interpreting their words. Um, in terms of my professional career with my fiction, it's caused me to create two very distinct short story collections that are built around many different pieces. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, uh, But uh, no, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned market stuff. You know, again, I think that one of the reasons I'm able to do what I do is that I do see ahead a little bit um, and try to anticipate what people will be looking for. Um, I think that this... Oh, the Aquarius. The Aquarius. (laughs) Look, I just got into it. I just got into it. I was just like, yes. Little Aquarius, little Capricorn. (laughs) Yes, I see it. Anticipation. Futuristic. I got it. I'm there. accurate. I mean, and that's one of the things my publisher said. Um, (laughs) They also just signed with IPG. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that this book ended up being as big as it was Mm. is that... um, they, the publisher was able to take it to IPG in Chicago and pitch it, and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive because mm. they feel that my book was poised at the beginning of a very powerful market trend. Oh, it checks yeah. all the boxes, mm. all of them. It's queer, it's short stories, it's an indie press, it's a writer with mm. a resume, mm-hmm. but not a lot of exposure. You know, this is this, right. It's a market trend, mm. and I'm grateful to be at the front of that market. Right. Yeah. You know, Why not? Um, I also feel that one of the things I love about indie publishing and about indie bookstores is that we build our own fucking trends. Yeah. You know, and yeah. for me, like a lot of the work in this book, like the rewriting and the collecting and reworking had to do with learning to listen to my community. Oh, yeah. So I felt yeah. like I hate it when people say this, but like this book is a love letter <laughs> in some ways to my community. I love that yeah. though. It is. I'm a romantic yeah. person when I write. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I really wanted um to move people. Mm. And as I was, you know, doing my other work and traveling and writing, I kept meeting people who I knew really needed this stuff. Yeah. Mm. And so it is a book for them. The mm. person who needs to read this will find it and they will find themselves in it. Mm. That's awesome. Lovely. And very radical in and of itself. Probably the most radical person in the it is. I I believe I believe that as well. Very very romantic Aquarian. I love it with the with the with the Virgo moon. The Virgo, Virgo moon is Virgo it rising. Virgo rising. Pisces. I'm, okay, Pisces. I mean to hear okay. you to, to hear you talk about how like queerness and zodiac are attached. I do feel very outside of my queer community to not know like when's your birthday. Anything. I know I am Gemini just after the Good cusp. Gemini. I don't know what my Sun, moon, the well, other can, stuff. It's very is. easy to find out. All you need to do. I don't is know just my birth time. I mean, I'm sure I have my birth time, but I don't I'm know sh- my birth time. Yeah, but if, if you can get close to it, you can find yeah. out all the stuff. Yeah, but just I also, but also when people just say, like, "Oh, that's so Gemini of you," that's I have not no very idea. nice. Or to hear, or to that's <laughs> not a nice thing hear, to say. Or, uh, I mean, a queer writer who I have maybe. a crush on talks talks so much shit. He's like, "I will never date another Gemini," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I don't know what that means," but I hear hear you saying that. Um, <laughs> I just I'm so sorry my mother I mean, got pregnant to, with me yeah. but if you don't want to but do you feel bad about not I mean oh, do you I do. Wanna... I, so I mean I don't know you how much so I subscribe to it anyway okay let's talk about but... that okay so that's right. that's I think one of the other things and to me this is what makes astrology queer sort mm-hmm. of in and of itself is that it's always tongue in cheek mm-hmm. always like there is an element of camp to it yes in, definitely in my opinion mm-hmm. definitely um, and so these jokes about like I'll never date 
Gemini. Yeah. First yeah. of all. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. you will. Yeah, of course. Second of course, all, you can. Yeah, oh, yeah. You but. will. But the other thing is that, like, camp, and you hate yourself for it. Exactly. Yeah. And like, like camp, it can be mm-hmm. disavowed or discarded immediately if it's yeah. not working. Yeah. So yeah. I think that you know, I come to astrology and tarot also, which I love, mm-hmm. um, not as like a, a measure of prediction or as a scientific practice, but it's a it's a language. Or yeah. and it is totally having those conversations. It, totally it opens people up. Yes, and you, you know it's it's less like what your sign is than how you feel about this information, or how do you feel about work? How do you feel about relationships? How do you yeah. fight? Um, yeah. It's a it's a way of getting people to open up and talk about themselves, and it gives us a really convenient rubric for doing that. Yeah. I think it's not that different from like Jungian archetypes. Sure, it's not. Or Enneagrams. Or like we have these other pre-existing patterns in human culture. And yeah. they're all really interesting. Yes, yeah. they are. And all interrelated in one way or another, mm-hmm. which makes them even more interesting, I think. So good. Um, so I want to go backwards a little bit when you were talking about, uh, we talked about professional, you talked about the press and indie presses, but I want to talk about your being a senior features editor at The Rumpus. Yes. First of all, how long has that, how long have you held that position? And then secondly, what kind of work uh, are you interested in seeing? Um, what are you interested in putting in the world? Well, and, yours, of course. Oh, <laughs> I love that. As I, as I send off the query right now. <laughs> and, what was, and what was We're your email? <laughs> and your, right, your email box is going off this right is now, the hardest Foster. pitch I've ever gotten. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, but, no, but I am really interested in what you want to see in the world mm-hmm. because I would think as an editor, what you want to do is craft the thing that you want to see in the world. Yes. I mean, that's that's what I try to do when I am yes. in that position. Yes, like so that. I'm interested in, in what what you're interested in seeing more of mm-hmm. as an editor. What would you encourage our listeners if they are going to query you? What would you encourage them to send? So, you know, mm-hmm. all those things. And how long have you held, how long have you been in the position? It's a new position to me. I think we're less than two months in. Oh, very nice. Oh, it's asked, really yeah, new. I was asked to come in. Oh, wow. Uh, I, think, I think we had the discussion two months ago. Um, I have a pre-existing relationship with Lisa Siegel, who okay. is the editor-in-chief. She is a delight. Aww. She's a very, very hard worker, and she does a lot for the literary community. Yeah. So I could, yeah. I could not say no to her. I could not say no to her. Nor would awesome. I. Um, I've read Slush and been an editor and run literary magazines in the past, so I was very aware of what I was getting into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I am looking specifically for work that does not center pain of any mm-hmm. kind. I am not mm-hmm. interested in your trauma story. Mm-hmm. I have my own, and I do not want them in my inbox. Mm-hmm. If you can make me laugh, yours. Oh. I like humor. I oh, like stories yes. that consider, um, you know, the experiences of outsiders that are told mm-hmm. in unusual ways. Mm-hmm. I love a story with unusual structure. Mm-hmm. Um, I like work that is self-conscious but not collective. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, and there's a mm-hmm. lot. There's a there's, there's a, lot. a phrase. Yeah, it's, yeah. If, if you can do it and do it right, my God. And of course, I just like good writing. You right. know, I have a couple of um, features that I've edited so far that are in the queue that will be coming out later this year, and I'm so proud of Ooh, them. Yeah. I'm so impressed by the um, subtlety and and excitement of these pieces. You know, I I'm not a reader of meditations and I'm not a reader of like tone poem kind of stuff like when I read an essay I am always looking for so I like to know what happens next what did you learn what Mm. will you do now you know if someone's going to talk about their pain I am I'm really interested in seeing how it's resolved Mm. I don't want the piece to feel cathartic when I'm 
Yeah. Um, I also feel like writers, especially young women and femmes, especially young women and femmes of color, mm. are really encouraged to put their trauma out there and just like talk mm. about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a way of getting yeah. your foot in the door. Like talk about the terrible things that have happened to you. Yeah. Right, right, right. And while I don't want to pretend that those things don't happen, I am not right. the editor for that. Yeah. I want to hear about you succeeding and I want to hear about you kicking ass mm. and like doing things that that empower you as mm-hmm. much as I hate that term. But mm-hmm. like, tell me about the thing that puts a crown on your head. I mm-hmm. need to know. I need yeah. to know what you say to yourself in the morning so that you have the courage to leave the house. Right. Tell me. Um, and I, I love those stories. Mm. The stories I have coming up are very much about people of different identities, ethnicities, backgrounds, um, facing up to their fears. Awesome. And I, I think that that's a really vital and underserved space because we do fetishize pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm really tired of it. I'm yeah. ready for that trend to die. Yeah, I've written pieces like that of my own. They're on the internet. You can Google them. Oh, I, oh. It's not worth oh. it's not worth revisiting. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, right. It's a cheap trick. And the thing is, you said if the person wants to do that kind of work, you're just not the editor. I'm for not them. their person, and yeah. that's and that's okay. And it's more or less what I say in my rejection yeah. letter. And yeah. also, like I gotta be really honest, like you know, like I said, I too have written pieces sure. like that. I too have worked with people who have trauma. I'm in recovery. My God, there is a lot of trauma in the recovery community. Yeah. It is around me all the time. Yeah. And I just think, you know, I just think we can do so much better. Sure. I yeah. really do. And and especially from an editor's perspective, I think it is extremely irresponsible, especially for a new writer, to say, I am going to get amazing analytics off your trauma pain story. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I think that is sure. super, sure. super yeah. unprofessional. Yeah. I think it's unkind and I think it's unethical. Mm, yeah. And so if somebody sends me a piece, even if it is well-written mm-hmm. and even if it is handled well and they are new and I don't feel that they will have the support mm-hmm. or if yeah. I think that they're going to show their ass and that this is not going to be good down the line, I will tell them so. Yeah. Mm. I won't publish that piece. It is not good for you and I don't want my name on it. Hmm. It's great. It's great that you are that way, but also that you will say that because honestly, I think like a lot of the market is that. I can't. A lot of the market is like, hey, this pain will do numbers, right? And yeah, there's just, a there's a huge market yeah. around that. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, so, look at the traffic. Yeah. Look at the look at the excitement. Look at the discussion. Yeah. yeah but who are you affecting? Right. right. First right. of all, I think that it is incredibly unfair to the writer if nobody. Yeah. I mean, I wish that. At certain mm-hmm. points in my career, that somebody, somebody would have said this to you. Somebody would have said, "Look, kid, somebody is really going to take advantage of you on this. Like you're being taken advantage of. Yeah, it's not worth the fifty bucks. Yeah, it's not worth yeah. the clicks. It's right. not worth the attention. Sit on it for three months. I mean, you know, go to therapy. The, <laughs> but the old, the old school model though is such the model of you're not writing queer enough. You're not writing mm-hmm. black enough. The old school model is all about that trauma. It's mm-hmm. all about that pain. I mean, I have been told that a million times yeah. in my yeah. in my past history, right? I mean, I had an editor point blank say, you could be the next Morrison or Alice Walker, but you don't talk about your trauma enough, which I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like my first book was trauma. I feel yeah, like, yeah, I've, I'm, yeah. I'm like, there, there was, there was some, I feel like but there's again, it's trauma. Poems, I mean, right? but, yeah. but you know. Did obs- we read the same book? <laughs> but obscurely, you know, I sort of cloak it in obscure terms a lot of times. And so yeah. the, what they're wanting me to be is more visceral and more, like you know. Like beloved. Right, exactly. They're wanting me to put, and that's just not who I am. Yeah. That's not ever who I'm going to be because I, like you, re- really get uplifted with stories that, about how you walk out the door, about how yeah. you face your world, yeah. about th- those sorts of things are really important to me. Not because I haven't experienced the pain, but just because I would like to 
you know, see the light through yeah. the door. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so I think there's an old school model that really believes um, in that. And I'm hoping that as we get younger editors, um, more millennials, more zeers, that we're going to see more work that is fearless and bold and brave um, from, you know, from the margins. That's really what I would like to see. You know what I mean? I'm, I also am tired of, you know, pain and pity stories. And I mean, I just, I just can't. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I don't even <laughs> click on them. Right. I don't. Even, right. I don't care if every, everybody else has read it. I, I don't click on yeah. it. Right. And, and you know, l- like I brought up this evening at, at the um, reading, um, I also think that unless you have experienced that deep pain, you're not going to understand the value of hope. Right. Yeah. It's just. Agreed. It's not there. I Agreed. Mean, to yeah. somebody who has had a comfortable, safe, secluded, privileged life, whose life has been more or less untouched by pain. Yeah. They're just going to look at it and say, it's inspiration porn. Like, I didn't really connect with it. And it's like, well, live how I've lived. Right. Because there are plenty of people who have, and they see what I'm talking about. Exactly. They understand how important this is. And they don't need to be reminded of it every day. No, I don't want that. I'm very tired of that. That's the thing. You know? Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I had to mute Me Too. Oh. I couldn't do it. Mm. Because to me, it is a movement that has no ending. Yeah. What yeah, is the ending? I don't know. I just couldn't. I can't look yeah. at all those survivor stories and not. I mean, that's hashtag Black Lives Matter. I, I mean, in, in, I mean, certain kinds of ways. Yeah. I mean, the trauma is just. I tell my students all the time. I'm like, if the videos are playing, mm-hmm. if they're replaying mm-hmm. news videos, you have to turn them off. Yeah. I was like, that's re-victimizing yeah. the victim. It does. I can't with well, that. You well, know? It's, it's sort of subtle because it's supposed to be empowering and it's supposed to like get you fired up and like. First of all, some of us live that every day. Right. right? And then secondly, I think it's really twisted to be putting it on social media again and again and actually disempowering, frightening, and maybe re-traumatizing yes. people who could potentially add their voices to that movement. Right. Yeah. It's like right. if I'm traumatized, if I'm triggered and scared and I'm hiding because you've told me over right. and over again that I'm going to be raped right. or that I should be afraid, right. I'm not going to raise my voice or, right. or yeah. shot right. or worse. Right. Right. I'm not going to be participating in that. Right. And I think that that's where that movement and other movements have really fallen apart as you yeah. fail your victims. What is the third act of this? There is no third act. It is just pain. And I refuse to serve that. Mm. We are made for such better things. Mm. Love it. What's your next question? Um, you are, I mean, you kind of are on book tour now, but you're closing out as in tonight. Tonight. We snagged you for the podcast moments after you finished the last stop of your reading tour here in Charm City at Red Emma's, who's hosted us before, who's a friend of the podcast. So I just want to ask you, like, how has the tour been? Mm. Uh, what are the highlights? Oh, highlights. And perhaps, if you're comfortable, what are the lowlights? The lowlights. Yeah. Lowlights. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what lowlights could be. I have a few ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's been Fucking awesome. That's awesome. I just, so great. Like my face hurts from smiling so oh, much. Like I love great. I love it. You know, it's I feel really lucky. I want to say blessed, but you know, I've loved this experience because I feel that it's not about me. Mm. You know, for me it's very hard to get up there and say, Oh, I wrote a book and I'm a really big deal. I'm not. Mm. I'm not. But the the tacit understanding, you know, that I feel from my audience when I'm reading one of my pieces just makes me feel so special. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel like I did make something that is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's what I've always wanted to do. I, I wanted to write a story that people cared about. Yeah. Oh, have you read um, Roald Dahl? Kind of problematic, but have you read the BFG? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. It's a children's a big friendly book. Big Friendly Giant? BFG? No. It's a children's book. For those who are not familiar... 
And it's about a little girl who wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's a giant who's 18 feet tall going in the windows and with a big, long horn and blowing something into their bedrooms. Okay. And she, he kidnaps her. He okay. sees her awake, and he steals her. Okay. And takes her away to giant land. And in giant land, she discovers that he's friendly. He's not going to hurt her. Okay. His job is that he catches with a butterfly net and bottles dreams. And at night, he will go to your window and blow a dream, a special dream through this tube. He catches dreams and he catalogs them like butterflies. So he's got jars and jars and jars of, some of them are nightmares and they're awful looking, they're scary, and he keeps them away so nobody will catch a nightmare. But he says some of the lovely dreams, he writes these descriptions. One of these descriptions is, for me, the epitome of writing. I remember reading this description as a child and thinking, that is what I want. The label on the side of the bottle (laughs) says, you have written a book and everybody in the world wants to read it. They are are reading this book and they like it so much they cannot put it down. Dentists are reading it while they are doing dental work. People are reading it while they're driving and they're getting in terrible accidents. (laughs) (laughs) People are reading it while they're eating. People are reading it while they're at work. Everybody in the world is reading your book and they love it so much they never want it to stop. And I... My heart opened all of its doors because that is the thing that yeah. I want. And this book tour has been wonderful because it is a fulfillment of that vision. I, I, I feel seen. I yes. wrote a book that people like. Yes. It's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> I made you a present. Right. <laughs> And we're back with the pop section of the podcast. Yes, we are. Foss stepped out for a sec, but they'll be back with us for the bang Bang portion. portion, Which will be fun. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. Yeah. Um, So what do we got for pop culture? What do we have? Uh, We have royal news. Any royal news? A little small royal news. Yes, a little little small, but other news. Lots of other news, though, too. You you mentioned the royal news. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was the... um, He he was at an event recently, right? Yeah, I think so. And they said, how should we address you? And he said... Just call me Harry. Just call me Harry. Call me Harry, not Prince Harry. I mean, and shouldn't we have have been expecting that anyway? This is a weird question. Do royals have last names? What do you mean? Does Harry have a last name? Is he Harry? Yeah, he has a last name. I don't know it. I don't, I don't. Yeah. If he's not the Duke and he's not the Prince. Yeah, he has a last name. Does he have a a real last name? Does he? Yeah. Do we know for sure? Should we Google it? Let's Google it. Let's Google it. Uh, it's tough to say. The Wikipedia entry has him listed as just Prince Harry. Of course. Duke of Sussex. I mean, right? we expect that, right? But, but it also has his birth name, which is Henry Charles Albert David. So Henry is David Charles his last name or do they not have last name? I don't right? know. Now like, you've really confused do you not, me. Do you not need a last name if you're People, the prince of I thought the I thought they named Archie. Archie's the child's last name is Mount, Mountbatten or something or something of that. Oh, maybe he's not ascended to his royal, his role yet and so he gets a last name until he ascends oh, to Lord. or maybe he doesn't have a role what's his does he have a people is he a need, prince is he need, a duke we, well duke? he's a, well, he's a duke, duke in waiting duke in i'm just making up let's move on to the next and, thing and we're sober um, people we're yeah. stone sober during this <laughs> pop and, the, and this is the it sounds like the drunkest pop we've ever recorded right. anyway um, so that's the that's the last yeah. world news moving uh, on let's move from very very local right as yes. in local news yes. right yeah uh healthy holly so the former mayor of baltimore Catherine Pugh, was sentenced today 
Um, she was sentenced to three years for her Healthy Holly children's book fraud situation. Um, she's <laughs> 69 years old. Um, the prosecution initially asked for five years and the defense asked for a year and a day. That's because if it was less than a year. She'd have to serve the whole time. If she got a year and a day, she could like she could get out as soon as like eight months or something like that. I just can't. Um, yeah, but so she'll, she send us three years. Uh, her defense Which said she'll probably serve, serve a year like eighteen change. months of those. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A year um, change. followed by three years of probation and uh, several hundred thousand dollars worth of restitution. So, as well. so here's the question. Yeah, the question is: Does the sentence fit the crime? Uh, it's tough to say. So for those who are unfamiliar, the crime that she had plead guilty to, uh, was charged with and plead guilty to was she made these shitty, um, like really poorly made. That's not an official uh, opinion of the this is, an a, this is an accurate description. <laughs> these shitty self-published children's books. And then, um, and then was involved in a scheme where she gave no bid right. contracts right. to organizations for which she was a board member and whom bought hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of these books, sometimes reselling the books. So selling like a hundred thousand dollars of these books, the organization not picking it up. And so selling those same books to someone else. Um, so it's clearly this money making. It's a scam. Fraud scam. It's like yeah. Amway. And so she pleaded guilty right. to a conspiracy and right. tax evasion was the charge. She did you to. hear? Did you hear her uh, her pre recorded message to the jury? I heard that. Oh yeah, time. she an apology. Yeah, a, a very deep. Yeah, that she. You know, I don't yeah. know any other words to use, but I apologize. Yeah. You know, it kind of came across. I mean, people, these pre recorded apologies. It's like Paula Dean when she went through the whole mess, yeah. saying, "I am so so sorry, yeah. so sorry if I've hurt anyone." Yeah. You know, it's just ridiculous. You're sorry that you got caught. Well, yeah. right, and yeah. these PR statements are a way for you to look uh, supposedly cleaner on the way out. Yeah. But I mean, it really doesn't make So here's any the thing. Difference. D- does it fit the crime? I don't know, right? What benefit right. does it put? I mean, th- well, definitely but to put a 69-year-old woman in jail, right? Mm-hmm. On one hand, ideally, maybe a deterrent for future maybe. mayors, of which we've had several Who like criminal mayors. Lots of scandal, right? May have a future scandals. criminal mayor. I'm not going to uh, go there. I'm not going to go there. But on the other hand, like, I don't know that anyone should be in prison, right? Like, Oh, okay, you, you know, like, oh, okay. I just don't I, know, like, I don't, I can't celebrate. Even even if she clearly did something wrong, even if it's gross, even if it harmed sure. Baltimore. Yeah, which um, did. I don't, won't celebrate seeing any person. Yeah, yeah I can, I can understand that. Because I, you're like an, an older black woman, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, yes, you're an older black woman, but I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say to me, I mean, obviously, uh, the prison industrial system is a, is a problematic system yeah, all the way yeah. around to me, especially for minorities. But uh, but bigger than that, I just think if people do things that they know are wrong, yeah. they should be punished. Yeah, there has to be some accountability. There does. And, sure. I feel, and I feel like yeah. a pre-recorded apology yeah. is yeah. is not enough. And I yeah. also feel like three years of which you will serve, like you're saying, 18 months. I'm saying yeah. one year and change because they're going to, you know, whittle it all down. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous for, for, for the kind of turmoil the ongoing turmoil turmoil that she's put the city in yeah i just think i just think that's not yeah it's not enough yeah both harming the city by taking this up right the prosecutors say up to eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, right but also the harm of just what it 
does to the city and the city's and, reputation. And, and, right. And, yeah. the, and the city's morale yeah, and ethos, absolutely. right? Yeah. You, know, you know, I mean, that's sure. that's the thing that really has yeah. taken the damage. And I'm saying as far as a black woman, I mean, also black women's damage. I mean, black women are feeling damaged in, sure. in general from all of this. You understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's just problematic on like every side. And the, and the little tired book... I mean, which is just even is even more sad for literary people. I mean, people, if you yeah. if you please take a look at this book if you have not seen it. Yeah, it's, it's you'll have to find it on online because well, somebody said eBay. Um, eBay. It, well, eBay sell it, but for like tens of thousand dollars. Like really, is it that yeah, expensive? So, there was one selling with like fourteen thousand no, dollars yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? It is. It is going. It is a collector's item now. Right? I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't, people. People, American American right. capitalism is you disgusting. Had, you had something else. Oh yes. Had. Okay. So I have news. I, I've already talked to you a little bit and you have not heard the news. I'm excited to see if our listeners have. So Tyra Banks. Great. At, Great. <laughs> I'll start out. Love where this is going. Uh, I'm not sure you will. <laughs> um, at age 46 is going to be opening the first ever modeling theme park entitled Model Land. It's set to open on May 1st of this year in Santa Monica, California. At what? this modeling theme park, uh-huh, exactly. I like the way you brow. Your brow <laughs> looks furrowed. Um, at this modeling theme park, you can have all kinds of things. You can experience a personal consultation about modeling, wardrobe changes, hair, uh, makeup changes. All these things are like the experiences that you can experience at uh, Model Land, right? And also, I'm not done. Um, the general entry starts at $59 for just a basic adult ticket where you can walk through all the way up to a ticket that is $1,495 for something called a fantasy dream, which is some sort oh. of expensive extra, you know, yeah. uh, uh, souped up package where you can walk down a runway. You can have an audience, a live audience clap for you. All kinds of really interesting things. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Tyra Banks, age 46, um, seems to be or appears to be uh, modeling herself after Dolly Parton. Okay. Okay, right? This kind of this thing going on. But the problem is, is I don't hear of any rides at at Yeah, that sounds like a spa, right? It sounds like a spa (laughs) and they're calling it a theme park. For the headline. I mean, oh, and obviously Tyra Banks has gone on, uh, you know, on on the record of saying everyone is welcome. She invites uh, children, adults to come and indulge in this experience of being a model. And all of her training, all all the years of training uh, that she's gotten has given her expertise to to give this to the public. So this sounds like a spa, but it also, I mean, it does. It sounds appropriate. It sounds like, especially you say it's in California, right? Santa Monica. Yeah, in Southern California, like that's like the hub of like uh, of in influencers, right? right? Of Instagram people and YouTube people. I don't know who's Instagram. Um, and so, sure, like it makes sense that uh, a spa where you it's take not, it's pictures. Not really, it's not and really a spa. It's, it's not really. It's kind of a weird model. <laughs> I don't a place like where people. I guess it's people feel like they can get training. I. Is it, I mean, but and why would you spend? Yeah, that money? I mean, are there going to be know. celebrities there, or are they going to? Um, be... they, I, that has not been determined yet. I mean, but and also, why are we calling it a theme? I, I'm just confused all the way around yeah. what this thing is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Dolly Land is actually, or I've heard it. It actually has like rides. Oh, yeah, and, okay, I didn't know. That. And so, yeah, 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 yeah I have no has, idea. I've, I've, I've wanted to go to Dolly World, but I have no idea what's actually there. Right, I, I've heard there are rides there. Yeah. this thing does not sound like there are rides there. It sounds like there are strange people putting. Um, wigs and makeup, which I'm also here for. I think it's like weird to want to be famous. And to me, it's even weirder to want to pretend to be famous. 
you know, to pay yeah. to pretend to be I mean, famous. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's that's weird. Sad. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm just very interested. This is brand new news. Um, Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks has a history of, I mean, she's really into modeling. She's really into sharing her expertise, quote unquote, yeah. with the world. I mean, that this is part of her <laughs> brand. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up loving Tyra. I right? mean, she's I cool. grew up loving Tyra. She's cool. Um, but she's a, a weird one. I just think this is another uh, chance to try to make herself relevant in sure. a world where, sure. you know. It's tough to stay relevant. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, what I think. Sure. I don't know. Uh, speaking of relevancy oh, and coming back from the dead, two reboots I wanted to talk about. Yes. So the first one, the Candyman reboot. Did you watch Candyman? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, the original yeah. back yeah. in the day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm it's not classic. into sci-fi, but yeah. that one, I'm huge. Yeah. Huge. It's a classic, right? It is. It's um, a classic. So uh, today, they were recording this, oh. the trailer dropped yeah. for the reboot oh, okay. of Candyman. And it's... Uh, it screenplay by Jordan Peele. Oh yeah, I think I yeah, heard yeah, that. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and then directed by Nia Costa, who mm. is a black woman directing it, mm-hmm. which is really rad. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see that because Candyman, like, well before we had a term for like, uh, like social horror or social thriller, mm. Um, mm. that we'd say like, yeah, uh, a lot of contemporary horror can be right. Yeah, well before that, the original yeah. Candyman is doing work of talking about class and race and yeah. history and how it relates to horror, right? Yeah. And bodily horror. In a way, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. And so it's really cool to have Jordan Peele that's what I was gonna at say. the front right of this. Yeah, absolutely. Right up yeah, his yeah. alley, right? And cool to see a black woman leading it as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, so this ought to be interesting. I'm going to watch the trailer. Now that you've told me, I'm going to yeah. run right to the internet. Yeah, that some trailer. nods to... We'll link, to, we'll link it to yeah, the show notes. for sure. Yeah. It's spoopy. Um, the yeah. other one, the one that I'm a bit more excited about, too, I've been watching it, I'm almost... Through is oh, you're watching the it. High Fidelity reboot. Okay, I'm interested. Have you heard about the High Fidelity? Of course, yeah, of course, great, of course. great. Yeah, Did yeah. you see the original? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a Gen X thing, right? I don't know. High Fidelity is firmly a Gen that. X property, don't, don't you think? I don't, know, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't, I don't know a lot of other Gen. <laughs> it X came out in 2000, so I mean, I, I mean, that doesn't, I mean, that has nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's like. I feel like it's a little late, actually, in yeah. terms of gen. I think it's more I, if, if it's cuspy, Gen X, that may be too. Elder the millennial. book it's based on is yeah. ninety five. Yeah, right? and no, I never read the book. Yeah. No, I never read the book. Yeah. That's one of the things I gotta admit. So the reboot, uh, it's a contemporary reboot. Hulu yeah. launched a ten episode series yep. that reboots the film, which is based on the nineteen ninety five book by yep. uh, Nick Hornby. It stars Zoe Kravitz. Yep. Um, as Rob, apropos, the lead. Apropos. Yeah. 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 Because Lisa her Bernay mother, was Lisa Bonet, was in the yep. original yep. as one of the romantic yep. uh, opposites of John Cusack. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it's great. It's uh, It's got a contemporary feel. Um, it's got its own experience while still making nods back to the original. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm going to definitely check out a couple episodes. I don't know how much of it. Again, I don't really like reboot. You know, my yeah, thing is like yeah. I'm, I'm anti-reboots. I, lo- yeah, I, yeah. cl- I love the classic. But yeah. it sounds, well, what I will say about this reboot is it sounds interesting because what it sounds like they're trying to do is sort of change. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, High Fidelity as much as it uh, is a classic. And I would say more because I'm a music um uh, music yeah. aficionado, yeah. part of the reason why I like that movie sure, a lot, sure, right, is yeah. because it's sort of like, uh, you know, music relics, people who sort of the, spend their whole day like going through tapes and albums and this sort of thing. And yeah. But I think the reboot, it sounds like, even though I haven't watched the episodes, that the reboot is kind of trying to uh, make some contemporary allusions that are sort of 
different than the throwback, though, too. Yeah. And in changing the lead, I mean, what I think is really interesting about that is because we have like three white males as the lead originally in Mm -hmm. High Fidelity, writing John Cusack, uh, Jack Black and one other who I'm uh, forgetting. But, um, you know, I think in changing the gender and also Zoe Kravitz is biracial, I think this really uh, skews how the how the show is perceived. Right. Yeah. And so I think so I think that's interesting to think about and what that could be for a younger generation. Yeah. Maybe not for me. I might watch it and be like, wah, wah, you know, but I think that the old one definitely had a, uh, it had a little bit of a stiff feel to it in yeah. terms of these three white guys sort of yeah. going around. It was of an and, era, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. We right. could watch in 2003 audio file, right. white dudes, right. straight white dudes. Right. Right. And the new one, right. uh, Rob, Zoe Kravitz's character is multiracial right. and, uh, is queer. Queer. Yeah. Dates definitely. people of all yep. genders. Right. Um, one of the those three leads is a gay white man, oh, okay. and another is black woman. Uh, black right? woman. Yeah, right, the one um, from Dolomite, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Her name's uh, Divine, Divine Joy. Something. Uh, yeah, Ru- uh, Randolph. Randolph. Um, yeah, and she's great. Yeah, she's steal- she plays Jack Black's she's character. Super talented. Um, Charisse, yeah. uh yeah. Barry was the character in the original. Yeah, and she steals she's, the show. She's super and, talented. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much uh, it's a reboot in that. This we have a new sort of way of understanding, and it's a new way of thinking about Rob, who still sucks, right? I mean, still a Rob miserable person, sucks. right? But Rob always sucks. But it's a little more palatable because it's not yeah. just uh, you know a white fuckboy yeah. behaving badly, right? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah well, it's well, someone right. else behaving badly, and that's we need to see more of that, right? Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so it's really smart. I think the reconceptualization of it is very yeah. smart. So that's why I'm interested to yeah. see it. Well, the execution. Be as well as good as the reconceptualization. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've loved it. I hope you check it out. It's, yeah, I'm gonna at least a couple it. episodes. Yeah. yeah, you're liking it. I did. I love Zoe Kravitz. I love High Fidelity. Yeah, I was gonna give it a chance regardless, but I'm actually. It's just you. You good. are liking yeah, it. Yeah, people are saying it's ra- it's rather delightful. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. In that respect, I'm I'm interested in it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. And we are back with the bang section of the podcast. Foster's back with us for the bang section of the podcast. You've got a great one lined up today, right? I hope I have a great one. I'm scared about it. Great. I'm eager to hear it. Okay. So we've been talking a little bit about, I think we mentioned awards season in the last podcast, Oscars, the Golden Globes, the Grammys. I don't know what else has been on. Everything. Every award, the SAG Awards. Who cares? It doesn't matter. SAG just happened. Yeah, SAG just happened. SAG just happened, I think. And the Grammys just happened, right? Sure. Right. Okay. I don't watch any of those. You watch all of them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. AM does not. This is another queer thing, right? I'm supposed to like... Award shows, and I just well, you like the people on award shows. I mean, you listen to many of the. I mean, you. I like the red carpet before the award shows. Right, but I'm saying like Lizzo and people. You listen to like, maybe no. I like Lizzo. I don't. I've not seen Lizzo on an award show. But yeah, but but. Go ahead. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we're we're talking. We don't know we're talking about people. Anyway, my question is right. A lot of times people watch award shows and they say these award shows are BS. I would create my own awards if you could create your own award. Slash award show. What would it be for? Ooh, ooh, what, dang, what would it, so good. What would it be? What would it? What would it be? It could be something very silly and pedestrian, or it could be something, um, you know, very deep and philosophical. If you wanted it to be, yeah. what would your award be? That's good, Foster. You want to start us off? Well, it wouldn't be philosophical. I'll tell you that. Okay. 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 <laughs> that is above my pay grade. Okay. Well, no, I don't think so. You've not proven that on this podcast for sure, Foster. Um, oh my gosh, one of the conversations we keep having over and over again on Twitter 
is about literary citizenship. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, oh. what is a literary citizen? Oh. What is the literary polis? <laughs> what are these ideals of citizenship and what does that look like? Foster just said literary polis. Polis. After saying, Fuck oh, I don't, I don't know about <laughs> philosophy. Right, exactly, right. Yeah, literary citizenship. And I feel that it would be within my power, if if it was within my power, I would give a biannual, one for each season, oh. one in January, right. one in June, a literary citizenship award um, mm. in recognition of the, specifically to recognize the support and uh, resources and kindness that one person shows to the rest ah, of our community. That's great. So mm. not based on their specific achievements, which could be notable and they could be nobody right. on paper. Right. Yeah. But somebody right. who really does the legwork and is a, an unacknowledged influence in the lives and careers of many other writers. Right. I love it. That's literary citizenship. citizenship. And we should call it. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. A Get funky name. <laughs> a funky <laughs> name ready well, for it. Well, you gotta help me brainstorm. Um, let's see. Um, Mm, citizenship, uh, something spacey, like spacey. Uh, something, yeah, like uh, I don't know, like uh, mm. Mm, outer space, but mm. in the mind or something. Where, I don't where know. Where you going with this? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just Aquarius thing. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, just I'm, I'm spitballing. Mm. I don't know. I want something to make it cool, like. Right. I was thinking, like, you, you name want... it after a literary citizen, someone who's no. like, historically no. known. No, because we that. consistently cancel. We do. One historical figure sure. after they another. Always I won't should. have it. I they, don't want yeah. someone's name someone's ruining our award. After yes. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that. No, we don't. What Look, should we call like... it? What should we call it? I don't know. I think we we'll should just call it. it the Golden Laurels. Mm, oh, I like that. You received the Golden Laurels. The laurels, golden, the, the golden laurels. The it's almost close. Laurels to Laurels being the crown, but also like laurels and like the original idea of a laureate Lo- is someone who yes, is someone there out there advocating, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It also makes me think of golden fleece, which is different. But anyway, yeah, but I, think of, I think of that. I don't know. Great, same great. sort of thing. What about you? Okay, mine is going to be local. A, Mine's going to be hyper local, okay. right? Hyper local. So, um, Baltimore used to have a really fantastic print alt weekly called city paper oh, yeah, of course. baltimore of course. city paper yeah, yeah. we talked about the podcast yeah, it was yeah, fantastic yeah. and like a lot of cities our alt weekly sort of died the the yeah, brilliant yeah. people lisa who's yeah. having our podcast brandon who works with her yeah um they've done a, a really good job sort of building baltimore beat which is uh-huh. a digital uh yeah, yeah. alt weekly right, right. um uh from that but one of the things that that city paper did was they had the best of Baltimore. And a lot of publications have done best of Baltimore. Yeah. Nobody did it like City Paper. So now we have Baltimore Magazine. They're Everybody's great. They're it. a friend of the yeah. podcast, right? Baltimore Sun, who's not bad, right? And they're doing it as well. But nobody did it like City Paper. There's something about City Paper being in Alt Weekly. And the sort of people who volunteer and staff for Alt Weeklies yeah. being like queer folks and weird folks and punks and and weird, like, <laughs> philosophy major edge lords, right? And, like, there's something about those people that made those best of feel so authentic in a way that none of these other publications have been able to touch. Okay, so... So, for me, I do a best of Baltimore award that brought back that spirit of the alt-weekly oh, nice. best of award, where it's just oh, okay. local, weird, Total working class people... Yeah, totally grassroots, no, talking no about PR, stuff no that's... No press releases. Yeah, it's not yeah. the stuff that City Hall's talking about. It's mm-hmm. not the things that big money developers in the city are talking about. It's the 
things that weird people who mm. actually live and work and play and drink and buy and sell in the city are doing. Okay, so let me ask specification about your yeah. awards. So is, are these multiple awards? That are, are these like... Yeah, it'd be a best of Baltimore. Like a list. It'd be like a city paper revived best of Baltimore Right, list. but different but th different things on it, like what? Like, yeah. So like, ensemble award, best flower yeah. card at the market. Yeah, weird ass stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, that's what you yeah. want. Yeah. Multiple, okay. Best, best lemon stick. Best <laughs> farm, <laughs> best farmer's market person. Right. right, like the right. best weird person oh, farmers like, like right, yeah, yeah, right, 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 yeah. right, 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 right. Um, this weird organic categories, stoop. best stoop, yeah, best stoop, best stoop. yeah. <laughs> I would, I would love yeah. to see that voted. Best for. place to illegally drink in Baltimore. Yeah. Best place to illegally smoke in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, these are fantastic categories. Right, right, right. right that right. the you sun, the sun would never do that. You know what? Baltimore Magazine would never do that. You but know, City Paper did that. But you know what? I feel like your your award show literally can happen. It could literally happen on this podcast. Yeah, actually, we should have a best of Baltimore. Hey, could, stay tuned, y'all. <laughs> stay tuned, y'all. This podcast grows every minute. We add stuff to our resume that we're not sure we can actually do, Cece, but what's yours? who cares? Um, mine is weird. Um, I'm very into social justice and philanthropic things and people doing things to help the community. So I would want, there are already uh, awards for like, uh, you know, best social justice organization. There, some of these awards sort of already exist like in the world, but I'd like one for like best person who is, works for a social justice or an organization that actually hands on helps people that we can Oof. see yeah. a yeah. actual yeah. practical application of. Like so it means, line, right. It means like, so it, you know, so if somebody works for Habitat for Humanity, it can't just be like, whatever. It has to be a person where we can actually see who they've helped. Like mm -hmm. people vote for this person. You yeah. understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can work for an organization or you can be your own advocate. You can just be handing out, I don't know, condoms on the street, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. But I would like to see a person like that celebrated. They, yeah. they don't have to be organization affiliated yeah. because I yeah. often feel like um, when it comes to social justice and advocacy, oftentimes uh, organizations get the shine. Yeah. And I think yeah. really underneath, there are a lot of people doing the hard work. Yeah. Um, that yeah, I think it tends to be grass be, tops and the right. actual assistants and coordinators doing the work. Right, don't get right. And people, yeah. I mean, people on the ground doing yeah. this kind, mm -hmm. doing healthcare, doing, mm -hmm. you know, advocacy work, doing all kinds of things and changing America that we really just don't see, like on on an everyday basis, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Even if it's, you know, the HRC or, or any, any, any organization, we think of the organization, but we don't think of the people that really yeah. are on the That's ground exactly doing right. the work. Exactly and I would right. really like to yeah. see um, and, something like that. And those organizations get criticism and are worthy of they criticism, right. but they're also really cool, rad people yes. who are who are doing the work. Yes, and the yeah. organization yeah. is often limited by all kinds of things. Yeah. I only know that because I've worked for organizations like that before. Yeah, so same. I mean, but the people themselves are trying to do great work. And I would just really like to see an award show that really mm -hmm. shows that. I think Americans would be mm -hmm. maybe inspired to do more work yeah. themselves, right? I feel like, you know, often people don't volunteer. They don't do, yeah. I just feel like that's so, such an area of neglect. Maybe it's because I'm a Virgo, but I'm very much about that kind you, of. Though. That's a huge part of recovery. I yeah. mean, one of the three parts of recovery is like service. You uh, have yeah. to be of service yeah. right. to other people. Right. And it's totally neglected. You're right. It is. And we don't see those people. Those people don't mm -hmm. shine in America. And I would really like to see that mm -hmm. more often. I feel like people would be inspired. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would be inspired. I wouldn't feel like this country is such trash if I saw more, <laughs> if I saw more of these people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know but, what I'm saying? Yeah. The world's burning down, but also. Right. Exactly. The impeachment trials are on, but also yeah. there's there, there are yeah. these great people doing things in the community. You yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Doing yeah. sex education for underprivileged children or doing or whatever. You yeah. understand what I'm yeah. saying? Like, which it's going on. It happens. 
happens mm-hmm. every day here in Baltimore and other major urban cities. We just don't see these people. Well, let me ask you a question. Yes. Who is one person who has helped you so far this year? Oh, in, wait, in 2020? It's only January. Oh, we, God. we could roll it back to 2019. Okay. We could roll it back to 2019. <laughs> yeah. uh, a person... Uh, who helped you? It could be a friend or... Anybody. Um... Man, there's so many. I feel right. like there's there's so many people. Like, I, I couldn't even, I mean, even in the past month or two, I could, like, name, like, five or seven people who have, I was just tweeting about somebody, one of my friends, I sent uh, a very new, scary piece of writing to mm. a friend and was just like, oh, my God, I'm really panicked about this. I just want, I don't want to share it with anybody else. I'm going to send it to you. Like, look at it and tell me what you think, you know? That, I mean, even though it's such a small thing, this person's saying, like, I've got a million other things to do, but I have the generosity to look uh, at your work. I won't name the person. But anyway, um, that was really meant something to me, you know? But I'm, that's a small thing, like, like a self-service sort of thing. But people have but done all kinds big. of, that's yeah. That's a big, that's a gift. Yes, it yeah. is. And I feel like, you know, those kind of relationships are the things that, mm-hmm. that, inspire me to keep going. Not because, uh, who cares about my work? Who cares about this little trashy piece of new work that I'm writing? It's really about the generosity of people being willing to mm-hmm. say yes, yeah, right? Sure. To have having relationships with friends where people will open up their heart or mm-hmm. their homes or their whatever and say, yes, I'll take a moment to deal with you and your your urgent piece of writing. Well, it is urgent. Well, it's going to help other people. We hope. It will. Thanks, Foster. That's it. That's the episode. Foster, thank you so much yes. thank you for, for joining us. Me. Thanks last, for coming very last minute. straight oh, from a reading yeah. to here. I really appreciate uh, it. It's been fantastic talking to you. Speaking thank of you. speaking of people who have been nice to us, we appreciate you <laughs> appreciate for that. being nice to us and yeah. coming here to Lit Pop Bang. We're so happy to have you. It's my pleasure. Thank, thank you. you for your time. Um, listeners, you know how it goes. Make sure you subscribe. We're everywhere. Share, follow us, all that stuff. Right. Um, we have a lot of exciting episodes coming up. We're going to be live. Uh, we're going to be probably at um, AWP. AWP. Split this rock. rock. We have uh, other outright really, later this year. Outright later this year. We're yeah. going to a lot of cool places. Yeah. You gotta stay tuned. Yeah, We're gonna have absolutely. great guests. So yeah, as always, coming from Charm City, I'm Anthony. And I'm Cece. And this has been lit. Pop. Bang. <laughs>